Son of the living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. On the following day, when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, saw that no one, no other boat there except the one which the disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. first Sunday of the Coptic month of Amshir, and actually during this month, during the month of Amshir, our mother, the church, sets up messages, or the messages of the Sunday Gospels center, and the re- all of the readings actually center around uh, the Lord's Supper, it centers around communion, the Eucharist. On this first Sunday, we see events that are happening right after our Lord Jesus Christ uh, feeds uh, the multitude with the five loaves and two fish, which actually conveniently we happen to have read just last week because it was this fifth Sunday of the Coptic month. And every fifth Sunday of the Coptic month, we read about the multiplication of the food because we equate the extra food with an extra Sunday, an extra blessing. So that's why we read that reading every time we have a fifth Sunday uh, in the Coptic month. All the readings this morning, not just the Gospel, are centered around this theme of the Eucharist. For example, in the Epistle of St. Paul, St. Paul tells us what happens to people who labor for the food that perishes. He says, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor, adul- nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, who inherit the kingdom of God. So he's describing what our Lord Jesus Christ talks about today when he said, Labor for the food which does not perish. He's talking about here, here are the people who labor for the food that actually does perish. And what, what is their end? In the Catholic epistle, he warns us, it warns us about the danger of being swayed by the food that perishes. It says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the error of the wicked. In the book of Acts, we're reminded of the failure that we can expect if we work only for the food that perishes. You know, St. Paul was, uh, as uh, when he was still called Saul, and he was persecuting uh, the Christians, and our Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him. He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. He's saying, sort of your end, if you continue to labor for the food which perishes, will be failure. 
So we'll look at that verse uh, a little bit more uh, closely today. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. There are probably like two distinct parts uh, of this verse that I want to that I want to touch on. The first part is when Christ says, "Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the labor which uh, but labor for the food which endures to everlasting life." And then the second part, which we'll talk about after, is God the Father has set His seal on Him. So look at the first part first. Do not labor for the food which perishes. So right away, I want to say, or I want to make sure it's clear, what it does not mean. Okay, Our Lord Jesus Christ here is not saying, quit your jobs, stop working. Right? We know that because the whole New Testament assumes and commends the dignity of work. St. Paul says in Ephesians, for example, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So we can't take our Lord Jesus Christ to mean, quit your jobs. And I don't take him to mean, don't bring home the bread or the money that I, that I make from my job. When he says, do not labor for the food that perishes, he does not mean that we shouldn't earn a living, use it to buy bread that perishes so that we and our families can eat and keep on working. We know this also because St. Paul says to people in Thessalonica, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Which means the normal way to eat the bread that perishes is to work. To work for it. So do not labor for the food that perishes does not mean don't make money and don't use it to put food on the table. So what does it mean? Well, what changes or what should change when I believe in Christ whom God sent? What changes when I taste and discover that our Lord Jesus Christ is the bread of life coming down from heaven? Verse 27 says, This bread is the food that endures to eternal life. So, there are things that change. A new chapter is added now to my working life. Right? Eternity. You will live joyfully forever beyond the grave. And secondly, like there's a new treasure added to my heart. A million times more precious than any amount of money or anything that money can buy. Our Lord Jesus Christ says in another part in the Gospel of St. Matthew, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the bread of life should be the treasure of our hearts. So when we hear this or when we understand this, our eyes become open and we see our Lord Jesus Christ as the, the, the crucified, risen Son of God, you taste and you know that He is the bread of life, and you eat in the Eucharist. And what's the result? The result is, you don't leave your job, for most of us, you stay in your job, but something about everything that you do changes. The food that perishes should no longer dominate our minds. Christ dominates our mind as the supreme treasure. And if things look bad or if things are troublesome for us, I remember, I'm going to live forever. I'm not looking for the food that perishes. So now, while I still go to work, I go to work not dominated by the desire for the bread that perishes or by the fear of losing that bread. You go to work knowing Him, trusting Him, treasuring Him, being satisfied in Him, with your heart set on making him every aspect of your vocation. When I keep eternal life in front of me, laboring for the food that doesn't perish, meaning going to work, 
won't make me a lazy worker. It won't make me a bad laborer. It won't make me or shouldn't make me a gloomy worker. I should bring zeal, I should bring excellence and joy to my work because I know him, I trust him, I treasure him and I know that everything that I do is in his name and for his glory no matter what my job is and I'm going to be rewarded forever and ever and the new earth, the new heaven. I'm not going to be driven anymore by um, upward mobility or a larger pay or positions of power or a lust or desire for the weekends or relaxation or a passion for retirement. He will be our feast when everything else is failing. And then you'll not have like this fragile hope in front of us like that, you know, we work hard so that we can make some money so that we can retire uh, comfortably. But I have sort of this absolute certainty of the everlasting rest with our Lord Jesus Christ. And not the kind of everlasting rest that I'm going to be too old to enjoy. You will be young forever. You will live forever. And the fact that you don't need to have that now because you know you will have it forever changes everything. The second thing I want to highlight in the first part of that verse is that Christ is asking us to labor for the food that endures to everlasting life. This is important because the implication is that there is labor on my part that needs to be done. For sure, forgiveness of sins and salvation is a free gift given to us by God. But there is labor to be done on our part. There are many denominations that misunderstand this very important concept. They even point to Bible verses to strengthen their arguments. For example, in Ephesians it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Those who believe in salvation by faith alone base their belief on, on verses like this or parts of verses. But if actually if we were to continue to read that same letter to the Ephesians from St. Paul, the next verse says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when we think about by faith we have been saved, the word faith has many aspects to it. Our faith has to be, as Orthodox Christians, a living faith. Right? Faith without works is dead. If I have faith that is devoid of works, it cannot be for my salvation. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? This is what St. James says. He also says, even the demons believe and tremble. Does that mean that the devils are saved? Of course not. Faith has to mean faith working through love. In Galatians, St. Paul says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Faith and love have to work together. Those are That's an action. St. Paul says, And though I have all faith, so that I can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Our Lord Jesus Christ Himself informed us about the Day of Judgment. He said, I am going to discriminate between people based on their previous actions on earth, putting some to his right hand and some to his left. Based on what? He says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Because of those good works, 
He says to the people on the right, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. St. Peter also talks about judgment according to works. He says, If you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. So don't be deceived by people who try to teach salvation by faith alone or who teach salvation in the moment. These things are against the teachings of Christ. As Orthodox Christians, of course, salvation is a free gift from God given to us. There is nothing we could do to save ourselves. This is why we needed Christ to come on the cross and to be crucified for us. But the concept that there is no part or role for us to play is against the teachings of Christ, against Holy Scripture, and against the tradition of the Church. So now if we look very quickly on the, the second part of the verse... He says, God the Father has set His seal on Him. A seal can have a bunch of different meanings. One, if you think about the word seal, it could be like joining two parts of something something that they don't separate. Like when you seal an envelope, you lick one side of the envelope and it seals the other side. A seal can also have like a, a different sort of meaning, like when you have those official stamps or seals that sort of tell you that this thing belongs to a certain person or a certain group. Like back home we had uh, liturgy books at church, like in the in the pews. And the liturgy books kept on getting taken away. People would take them and take them home. They would think this is theirs. So then we thought to ourselves, how are we going to stop people from taking the books? So what we did, we stamped all the books, we sealed all the books, and said, you know, St. Mary and St. Antonio's Church, so that we know that these are our church books so that people don't, don't take them. The spiritual seal that Christ is talking about here is similar to both. And the idea of a spiritual seal is actually used more than once in the New Testament. For example, in Revelation, it says that the redeemed bear a seal on their forehead. And the seal consists of the names of God and the Lamb and shows that the redeemed belong to God. The seal is not necessarily like a visible one, but it's a way of indicating that people find their identity in Christ. The seal does not mean that people are exempt from, for example, earthly suffering but shows that God has claimed them and gives them the promise of everlasting life. For the Orthodox Christian, the seal that is spoken about in the book of Revelation is the same seal that we have on the day of our baptism, the seal of the Myruin, the Holy Spirit, given to the person on the day of his or her baptism. It demonstrates to the world and it demonstrates to the demonic forces that this person is sealed for Christ, united with Christ set aside for him. In the gospel reading today, we hear Christ speaking about a seal that has been placed on him. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but the food which endures for everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Here the seal that is on Christ signifies or denotes that he, Christ, belongs to God the Father. Similarly, Christ has set his seal on us through baptism. So therefore, we belong to Christ. So there's something we have to remember since we are sealed in Christ. First, there is God's protection on me. For example, in Psalm 91, something that I would encourage all of you to recite when you encounter a situation that is extremely difficult, hard to handle, or you need direction, we should be assured that God is always with us and protects us. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Satan is determined to use all his forces to break this seal from our lives. So we have to do whatever we can to preserve and protect it. Remember that you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. This is the one thing that no one can take away from you. But how do we keep this seal preserved and protected? First by our purity. By purity I mean maintaining our bodies as the temple of God. By keeping away from circumstances that destroy our lives. Purity not only like in terms of my relationship to others, but also to myself. Remembering to guard my eyes, my ears, my mouth, all of which can be sources of sin. The eyes must look up to holy things. The ears have to be eager to listen to holy things. With our mouths we have to be willing to speak holy things. When we keep our purity in an impure world, we protect ourselves from spiritual harm and we protect the seal that is in our hearts. Secondly, in order to help us to protect and preserve this seal, honesty. Telling the truth. Being honest also means keeping away or keeping us away from compromising situations that would otherwise harm our spiritual life. For example, not to lie to get my way, not to lie to have financial gain, position, recognition, status. And with honesty, another thing that goes right along with it is integrity. Living a high moral and ethical standard at work, at church, at home, with my, in my marriage, with my children. Being a person of integrity. A person that can be trusted. At work, when I work with integrity, I'm going to be more trusted, more valuable in certain areas. Once I lose my integrity, I lose the trust of others. But sometimes, you know, we're imperfect. We make mistakes. In those circumstances, we need to be prepared to accept the consequences of our actions. In the long run, humility, meekness, willingness to apologize, restores our integrity. May God give us the ability always to strive for the food which does not perish, in order for us to maintain this seal which we are given on the day of our baptism unbroken. And glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Blessed are they.